Mind and the Motorcycle, Naked News, Year 2, Volume 75. So I've been doing this for 75 weeks. Um, congratulations to me. The date is March 22nd, 2022. I am a lone voice in the universe. Um, always like to really kind of lead off with environmental, climate, um, oil and gas issues, um, and um, I'm really purposely uh, kind of, I'm not avoiding, but um, if, the, if people like you are taking the time to listen to me, you're the kind of people that have really been following what's going on in Ukraine. Um, and it really, there's no reason for me to take up uh, your time with, um, you know, those, uh, those issues. Um, it's getting plenty of coverage, and I'm, I'll talk about it kind of obliquely uh, down the road. Um, in uh, this uh, newscast. Anyhow, let's go. Uh, environmentalists applauded last week after a federal appeals court blocked a Trump-appointed judge's order barring the Biden administration from considering the future cost of climate damage in its rulemaking and public projects. Um, in March last year, a coalition of 10 Republican attorneys, uh, attorney generals, attorneys general, sued the Biden administration over a White House directive instructing federal agencies to factor, quote, the social cost of greenhouse gases into their policy-making decisions, from new pollution regulations to drilling on public lands. So on a recent analysis, it was estimated that the actual social cost of carbon dioxide from negative health impacts to destroyed homes is at least 15 times the number adopted by the Biden administration. Um, and again, um, you always have to watch for appearances and actions. Um, and in terms of actions, I ain't thrilled with um, how uh, the president is dealing with our fossil fuel and our climate situation. The Biden administration last week said it would resume plans for oil and gas development on federal lands. Following a court ruling this week, that temporarily restored a measure meant to factor the cost of global warming into federal decision-making, which is just what we spoke about. A nonpartisan organization representing more than a million and a half veterans, military families, and their civilian supporters launched a nationwide ad, uh, ad campaign this week condemning the fossil fuel industry for attempting to exploit Russia's war on Ukraine to expand its drilling operations on U.S. public lands. Uh, there was a 30-second TV spot from the Vet Boys Foundation, um, and it begins with a guy by the name of Hal Donahue, an Air Force veteran, noting that leading oil giants such as Shell, Chevron, BP, and Exxon raked in a record-shattering $75 billion in combined profits last year. He says, and instead of drilling the sites that are already approved, they're trying to grab more of our public lands. In 2021, the Biden administration approved more drilling permits for public lands than the Trump administration did during its first year in power. Uh, in an op-ed for a paper called The Guardian earlier in the month, um, a congressional rep by the name of Raul Grijalva from Arizona noted that the U.S. oil and gas industry already controls at least 26 million acres of public land 
and is sitting on more than 9,000 approved drilling permits they're not using. And they want more? Really? With negotiations over the Build Back Better Act stalled, um, pan stalled pandemic response funding dropped from a recent omnibus spending package and the White House showing no interest in broadly canceling student loan debt, the Sunrise Movement, which we have talked about, issued a warning to Democrats last week. Uh, the party ignores young voters' demands for bold climate action at its own peril. Polling released last week by a progressive think tank, Data for Progress, showing that, quote, overwhelming majorities of young voters support ambitious federal climate actions such as an executive order to declare a national climate emergency and the Green New Deal. According to the survey of voters 18 to 35, 85% of respondents support an executive order declaring a national climate emergency. Let's go to the UN. The one and a half degree, the one and a half degree centigrade goal is on life support. It is in intensive care. That's a quote from United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres uh, early this week, uh, as he stressed that a swift and just transition to clean energy is necessary to meet the Paris Agreement's objective of limiting global temperature rise to one and a half degrees centigrade above pre-industrial levels, something that you've heard about quite a bit. He says, the science is clear, so is the math, and we're going to continue uh, with temperature news. Scientists expressed shock and alarm this past weekend amid extreme high temperatures near both of the Earth's poles. Temperatures in parts of Antarctica were 50 degrees to 90 degrees Fahrenheit above normal in recent days, while earlier in the week the mercury soared to over 50 degrees Fahrenheit higher than average which is close to the freezing mark in areas of the Arctic. Stefano Di Padista, an Antarctic climatologist, tweeted that such record-shattering heat near the South Pole was, quote, unthinkable and impossible. Let's go to the Barrier Reef in Australia. Uh, an assessment of the Great Barrier Reef's health released last week reveals widespread bleaching of the world's largest coral organism, sparking fresh demands for the Australian government to ditch fossil fuels and finally commit to protecting both the UNESCO site and planetary health. The March 18th update from the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority suggests a fourth major bleaching event since 2016 is underway and points to warmer than average sea surface temperatures. Oh, man, uh, let's go to the money. Um, this is a company called Swiss Re, R-E. After Swiss Re, the world's second largest reinsurer, announced last week that it is moving to end coverage for most new oil and gas projects, climate justice campaigners who have long pushed for the insurance industry to shift away from fossil fuels offered cautious praise. Got a quote. Swiss Re is one of the world's ultimate risk managers and the policy which it established today 
sends a strong message to fossil fuel companies, investors, and governments. Oil and gas operations need to be phased out in accordance with the climate science, or they may become uninsurable by the end of the decade. That's a quote from Peter Bashart, global coordinator of Ensure Our Future. A little more. Um, by taking steps to stop insuring new oil and gas projects and companies that won't aim at aligning their activities with climate science by 2030, Swiss Re is headed in the right direction. And that is according to Reclaim Finance Director Lucy Pinson. The policy is not perfect yet, she added, and we encourage its peers to build on it to fully align with re a realistic 1.5 degrees centigrade scenario. Okay, um, let's take a whack at the media. Such an easy target. Um, in the run-up to and during the Bush administration's catastrophic invasion of Iraq, cooperative media outlets were accused of acting as stenographers for the White House, amplifying official justifications for the attack, which, as we all now know, were lies. And they did this while stifling dissenting voices. Um, most of cable news has become nonstop cheerleading for the U.S. to declare war on Russia. Uh, that's a quote from this news source. I'm not sure who it was, and it's cool. Um, very few questions have centered on the diplomatic talks between Russia and Ukraine and what the U.S. is doing to facilitate the ongoing negotiations. And it's unbelievable that the, our total focus uh, in terms of media coverage um, is on uh, munitions, um, armaments, money, what we're supplying to Ukraine in order to fight. Not a word about any actions the United States may be taking to try and create peace in that part of the world. Not a single peep. While I'm on the subject, keep in mind the U.S. has had, I don't I so many small wars um, since we mistakenly went after Iraq, and you never have seen coverage of the devastation we have caused. Um, and it could be most recently as Somalia, where our drones have killed a lot of innocent people. So it's kind of interesting that... Um, Boy, we're seeing so many images of the destruction in Ukraine, and it's all legitimate, and it is heartbreaking. But somehow, um, over um, the past years, we've really never seen what we have done to so many countries that we have called enemies for reasons that um, defy any kind of logic. Um, all right, uh, let's go to covid the White House announced uh, last week it, was, it will be scaling back public health measures to fight the COVID-19 virus, despite surging infection rates elsewhere in the world and critics who say that it is much too premature to act as though the pandemic is over. Um, after Republicans refused to support new COVID-19 funds in an omnibus spending bill last week, 22 and a half billion bucks for pandemic-related programs was stripped from the package. According to a dude by the name of Jacob Silberman of the New Republic, it, of the New Republic, it is evidence 
that the pandemic changed almost nothing about the politics of health care in this country. We're staying with health and the lack of care. Uh, as anti-choice, policymakers across the country seek to severely restrict reproductive freedom, freedom, and as the fate of Roe v. Wade hangs in the balance, pending a looming U.S. Supreme Court decision, Republican lawmakers in at least four states last week advanced bills banning or limiting abortion access. The Idaho legislature last week became the first in the nation to approve a bill modeled after a Texas law that empowers citizens to sue anyone who aids or abets an abortion after six weeks. Idaho's SB 1309 bans abortion after six weeks of pregnancy, <clears throat> excuse me, while allowing potential relatives of an aborted fetus, fetus, I'm so sorry, to sue doctors who perform the procedure. And quite honestly, it, while it is a slip of the tongue, man, that's a lot of shit. Oh, gosh. Um, so much stuff that um, it, it's really tough, man, really tough. Um, in a move described by death penalty ab abolitionists as barbaric, South Carolina last week gave the final approval for executions by firing squad. According to the state, the South Carolina Department of Corrections informed State Attorney General Alan Wilson that the agency is now able to shoot condemned inmates to death using a three-person volunteer team. A law passed last year in the Republican-led state gives condemned prisoners the choice between the electric chair, firing squad, or lethal injection if available. What a great choice. You know what I mean? Seriously. I'll have french fries. Um, more um, inhumane um, idiocy and mistreatment of human beings. A prisoner at a central intelligence agency, Black Sight, in Afghanistan, was used as a training prop to teach U.S. operatives how to torture other prisoners, leaving him with serious brain damage and other ailments. That's according to some newly declassified documents published last week. The guy's name is Amar al-Baluchi a 44-year-old Kuwaiti national, and he's currently imprisoned at the U.S. prison at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. He was captured in Pakistan in 2003 and then transferred to secret CIA, a secret CIA prison uh, known both as Cobalt and the Salt Pit north of Kabul, Afghanistan. And... The torture that that we that we rendered to people like him, absolutely mind blowing. And twenty years later, none of those responsible for the CIA's heinous regime of torture were ever prosecuted. And that's according to U.S. Rep. Ilhan Omar, Democrat of Minnesota. And instead, they got promotions. Um. I don't know if this is good news. We'll see what happens down the road. Um, watch it get uh, the kibosh. Um, more than a dozen House Republicans last week voted against legislation to promote public education about the internment of Japanese Americans during World War II. Um, 
They were in a very, very small minority. Uh, the bill would specifically create a Japanese-American World War II history network administered by the National Park Service to connect historical sites associated with the mass internment of Japanese-Americans after the attack on Pearl Harbor launched by Japan's military. About 120,000 people of Japanese descent were forced to live in detention camps as a result of a 1942 executive order from former President Franklin D. Roosevelt. Um, we'll see how, um, how long uh, you know, that stays in effect um, because there are loads of legislators trying to um, get rid of our history in terms of uh, what we did in relation to slavery. Um, let's stay with our uh, Asian American brothers and sisters. Michelle Alisa Tran, the founder of Soar Over Hate, a New York City-based nonprofit committed to combating anti-Asian hate, tweeted on Sunday a video of the organization's pepper spray giveaway, which was done at You and Me Books, located in Chinatown. As seen in the video, hundreds of people, mainly Asian women, waited in a line that wrapped around past the block. She said, I hope this illustrates the, the daily fears that many are experiencing. We gave out 1,000 pepper sprays to women who look just like me, looking to feel a bit safer. The census? Several justice experts are now calling for reform of the U.S. Census after its bureau admitted in a recent report that it undercounted black, Latino, and indigenous, indigenous Americans as part of the 2020 census. Um, and we actually, I believe we covered that uh, last week. The census is the foundation of our democracy. A quote from Kelly Percival, senior counsel and census expert at the Brennan Center for Justice. And she told Yahoo News, and so when we know inequalities are happening like this, we're baking inequity into our democracy from the start if we don't fix this problem. Um, and speaking of inequity, Senator Bernie Sanders was among the workers' rights advocates uh, applauding more than 60 Amazon warehouse employees last week as they staged the company's first multi-state walkout. Um, what these folks are looking for is a $3 an hour raise. According to Byrne, I stand in strong solidarity with the Amazon work, workers' walkout. Um, this one I caught, it was kind of a, you know, a, a quick story, and it's like nobody really kind of made anything out of it, and I'm, I'm certainly no genius, but really, this is like, this wasn't a big deal. The U.S. Justice Department, uh, Department announced last week that federal prosecutors have charged five people for allegedly stalking, harassing, and spying on U.S. residents on behalf of China's secret uh, police. Amongst other things, um, they're accused of sabotaging the congressional campaign of a U.S. military veteran who, as a student in Beijing in 1989, was a leader of the pro-democracy protest in Tiananmen Square. And there's another case that accuses three defendants of acting as agents of the Chinese government by spying on and conspiring to disseminate negative information about a number of pro-democracy Chinese dissidents living in New York City, 
California and Indiana. So um, it was just kind of interesting. Um, you know, uh, I suppose we deal with, you know, technology and, and cyber attacks, um, but there are spies amongst us. And believe me, we're doing exactly the same thing um, all over the world. Uh, let's go to Cuba. Cuba's Supreme Court has sentenced more than 100 protesters in Havana to prison terms that range between four and 30 years for violence committed during demonstrations last year. Cuban courts are now trying hundreds of protesters in mass trials that have been criticized by international observers for their lack of transparency and due process. Oh, you know, you wish you would think our rights are a right, uh, but it ain't right. That's really not how it goes, and it doesn't really matter where the hell you are. This one caught my attention. It was like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. Tokyo schools have dropped their controversial dress code on students' hair and underwear color after decades of maintaining rules that were criticized as outdated. Under the public school system's dress code, all students had to dye their hair black, certain hairstyles were prohibited, and even students' underwear had to be a, design, a designated color. Uh, there was a total of five rules are being dropped by nearly 200 public schools um, in Tokyo. Man, you got to be, it's like, oh my God. Okay, um, let's go to Bangladesh. Um, a little bit of good news. Bangladesh will ban questions regarding, quote, the immoral character of rape victims after a landmark decision that follows years of campaigning by women's rights groups against the humiliating and traumatizing interrogations of survivors. And this is a quote from Agence France Presse, reported last week. Officials said that the government plans to amend the Evidence Act, a 19th century relic from the British colonial era, and that lawmakers are expected to formalize the decision by June. So, you know, in other words, um, Women, and God, it's, I don't think it's really changed, even if they change the law, and it applies in this country, um, um, women who are rape victims um, are very often considered guilty for having provoked uh, the crime. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, all right, let's get happy. Finland is the happiest country in the world, followed by Denmark and Iceland with other Scandinavian social democracies, Sweden and Norway, not far behind. And that's according to the latest World Happiness Report 2022, released last week for the 10th year in a row by the Sustainable Development Solutions Network, SDSN. Um, as SDSN president and report co-editor Jeffrey Sachs explained in a statement, a decade ago, governments around the world expressed the desire to put happiness at the heart of the global development agenda, and they adopted a UN General Assembly resolution for that purpose. He continues, and the lesson of the World Happiness Report over the years is that social support, generosity to one another, and honesty in government are crucial for well-being. Uh, uh, let's go to the bottom. 
of the 146 countries surveyed, uh, Zambia, Malawi, Tanzania, Sierra Leone, Lesotho, Botswana, Rwanda, Zimbabwe, Lebanon, and Afghanistan ranked the lowest for happiness. I'm not quite sure where, where we came out, uh, but it's just so interesting to me um, that governments that take care of their people um, and consider it their obligation, and the population consider it, considers it the obligation of their government, they are much happier uh, than those of us living in the kind of capitalist juggernaut um, that's, you know, all about oligarchy and putting money in the pockets of the fat cats while we all suffer. Um, all right, I, uh, I caught something, there's something that caught my attention just because, you know, I, um, I don't follow everything and, and it's like, oh, that's really kind of interesting. Um, the biggest draw of the massive 11-night Netflix is a joke festival, which begins in April in Los Angeles, is not Kevin Hart, not Dave Chappelle, and not Pete Davidson, but a guy in South Carolina, uh, I'm so sorry, in uh, Southern California, who goes by the name of Gabrielle Fluffy Iglesias. Um, he officially sold out Dodger Stadium, the largest Major League Baseball stadium in the U.S. He sold it out for a May 7th date. Um, his videos have nearly a billion views, and his social media accounts boast more than 25 million fans. That's unbelievable. Check out Gabrielle Fluffy Iglesias. Really cool. Um, and then I always kind of, you know, I've been following uh, Julian Assange um, and Alexei Navalny um, and some other heroes of freedom. Um, and there's some shitty news uh, about Alexei Navalny. Uh, the jailed Russian opposition leader has been sentenced to an additional nine years in a fresh trial roundly criticized by human rights organizations as politically motivated. Navalny is already imprisoned on a two-and-a-half-year sentence, incarcerated since he was immediately arrested on his return to Russia following treatment in Germany in January of last year after being poisoned with a Novichok nerve agent in August 2020. Who do you think poisoned him? Um, oh, it must be Putin. Um, what a sinister son of a bitch. Um, okay, um, well, I'm done, and um, I, I, I did it. Um, I'm, I'm really pleased. Um, I have one quote from my pal, the Buddha, um, and then we're done. One is not called noble who harms living beings. By not harming living beings, one is called noble, the Buddha. Until next week, same time, same station. God bless.